This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live Saturday mornings from 9 till 10. Find us online at federalnewsnetwork.com or hear us on the radio in the Washington, D.C. area on the following frequencies. 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, and 1039 FM HD 2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now, here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Good morning and welcome to the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University. This is Tech Talk Radio. I am Jim Russ. And joining us live by satellite marine phone this morning is Dr. Richard Schertz. Doc, where and where are you and why are you there? Well, I'm down at Northern Neck checking on the hurricane damage. And it turned out we missed everything. We only had an 8-inch surge. So That's good. Everything is safe down here. So I'm I'm calling in using uh, Wi-Fi calling on my cell phone because I got very bad cellular reception down here. So I'm using my Wi-Fi network to make the connection to the studio. So basically, we're walking. And on, of course, yes, I was going to say basically yes? we're walking on broken glass this morning since uh, since you have no cell cell phone backup if the uh, if the the landline crashes. And the Wi-Fi crashes. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Good. I have no, I have no landline down here. I'm, I'm oh. walking away from landlines entirely. That, that's <laughs> right. I forgot. You, you were on your cell, but you're hooked up to Wi-Fi. Yes, that's exactly right. Gotcha. So okay. there's been a lot of stuff going on in technology this week. Of course, uh, the uh, there's more news about the Boeing 737 Max. EU wants to check that out. Cobol turned 60. But it's going to outlive us all. And I'll talk also about the the uh, physics of hurricanes and why they spin the direction they do. Uh, when's the best time to sell your old iPhone? There's kind of a strategy to that. And you've heard of deep fakes where you use AI to, to, to make videos. Now they're using AI to make audios. And the deep fakes are being used to trick people to transfer money. I'll talk about that. And, of course, Amazon's planning to create an orbital Internet. This week we're going to feature Narinder Singh Kapani. He is called by some the father of fiber optics, but he did not get the Nobel Prize for fiber optics. So I'm going to go in and talk a bit about that and what happened. And, of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. We got an email from Tom in Kilmarnock, Virginia. Uh, Dear Doc and Jim, I have little cash to spend to upgrade my desktop computer, and I need your advice on how to best spend it. Right now I've got 16 gigabytes of RAM and a 500 gigabyte hard drive, which is almost full. My question is, should I use the money to max out the RAM, or should I, by adding another 16 gigabytes, or would I be better off replacing the hard drive? Only enough money for one of them. Well, Tom, you've already got 16 gigs of RAM, and that's plenty for most things that you'd want to do. An extra 16 gigabytes might come in handy if you do heavy-duty movie editing or other RAM-intensive activities. But for general computing tasks, uh, 16 gigs is certainly enough. But you've almost maxed out your 500-gigabyte hard drive, and so I think you need to get a one-terabyte solid-state hard drive 
I mean, they're actually much faster, and I think that would be your best place to put your money. And if you need more RAM, once you get a hot, once you get extra space on your hard drive, it'll just create a swap space on your hard drive and create virtual RAM on the hard drive. So you'll still be able to do those intensive editing functions just a little bit slower. So put your money in that hard drive. We got an email from Craig in Virginia Beach. Dear Doc and Jim, my wife and I just bought a two-story house and the Wi-Fi signal will not reach all the bedrooms. I'm certain that moving the cable modem and wireless router from the den to some other place in the middle of the house would do the trick. But then I would have to run cable. I read about power line networking kits and wonder if I could use one of those to connect the modem to the router. That way I could leave the modem in the den and place the router anywhere in the house. Love the podcast, Craig in Virginia Beach. Well, Craig, you can connect your cable modem to a wireless router with power with a power line networking kit. It's an excellent option for you. But there are a couple of things that I want you to consider. First of all, I'd recommend that you get a high data transfer. When you get these when you get these power line kits, they come with different data rates. I'd recommend that you get one that operates at least 600 megabits per second or higher. That way you know that your power line ethernet is not going to be slowing down your, uh, your, your, your internet access. Now, secondly, you want to try different electrical outlets because it really depends on how many, how many, um, connections there are. Does it have to go back to the fuse box, to the, uh, to the circuit breaker box and all of that sort of thing. And so different circuits might perform better. So if you've got different uh, options on circuits, I would plug it in one and then you can do a speed test. You could go to speedtest.net. That would be uh, that's speedtest.net, and you could check out you could check out the speed from the different outlets to see which one gives you the best the best transfer rate, and then uh, and then go for it. It's really a great option, and you don't have to run cable at all. We got an email from Kim in Arlington. Dear Tech Talk, my mom's friend told her to be careful about what she puts on the Facebook page because once something is posted on Facebook, it stays on the Internet forever. My mom told me that it isn't true because if she deletes the post, it's gone immediately. My question is how I can convince my friends that uh, that what she posts will be deleted. Well, Kim. Well, Kim, well, it's certainly true that when your mom posts to the Facebook page, it will be immediately removed from her account the instant that she deletes it. The deleted information would still exist somewhere else on the Internet, though. Depending on your mom's privacy set settings, one of her friends, or a stranger for that matter, could have seen an item, downloaded it to their computer or mobile device, and posted it on their own Facebook page. If that were to happen, and it does happen all the time, the item would indeed be gone from your mom's Facebook account after she deleted it, but it would still exist in your friend's account. Even worse, stolen or copied photos, videos, and information can easily be shared in other places besides Facebook. They can easily be emailed to a third party, uploaded to a different social media website, such as Twitter or Instagram, or even printed and shown to anybody else. So, in addition, Facebook servers keep backup copies of deleted information once it's keep backup copies of deleted information for some time after deletion. So, actually, once you upload something to the internet, you no longer have complete control over it. So, you can't be guaranteed that it will be gone. We got an email from Donna in Kansas. Dear Tech Talk, I chat with friends on WhatsApp all the time and would like to format some of the words for emphasis 
Some of my friends can do it, but I can't figure out how they did it. Help, Don in Kansas. Well, you can format in WhatsApp your WhatsApp messages. It supports bold, italic, strike through, and monospacing. Now, to manually apply the formatting, what you do, if you want to have bold, you put an asterisk on either side of the letter you want to bold. So you just say asterisk, bold, asterisk, and whatever is between the two asterisks will be bold. If you want to italicize, you can put an underscore, an underscore before the word, an underscore after the word, and it will be italics. If you want to do a strike through, you can place a tilde. That's that little squiggly line before and a squiggly line after. If you want to do monospace, you do three back ticks on either side. I mean, these back ticks look like uh, an apostrophe, except they're tilted the other way. Uh, they're kind of hard to find on the keyboard, but they're there. And, and if you have three back ticks, it'll be monospace. And you, uh, so you're going you... to post all this on Facebook so you, everybody can see what each of these are. Uh, oh, yeah. Not Facebook, but on, on, Every... on yes. Everything's going to be posted there, right on, right on, uh, right on our, uh, on our, on our. Uh, when we, I'll post the show outline on Monday. You go to techtalkonline.com and you'll see it all. So, we got an email from Barbie in Reston. Dear Tech Talk, I'm getting spam messages in my Google Calendar, and I haven't, uh, I haven't added these spam messages. These are annoying. If someone hacked my phone, they just keep showing up. Well, Barbie, spammers have found a way to add unwanted phishing and scam events to people's calendars without their permission. Now, here's how to stop them. It turns out that the Google Calendar by default shows event invites, whether the user has accepted them or not. And spammers are using this loophole to flood people's calendars with malicious links and derogatory text. So one of the Google Calendar's default settings is to add event invites automatically to the calendar. So you, you want to turn this off. So you just simply go to your Google Calendar gear, that's that little thing, click on that, which is settings, choose event settings, and then you, then you basically, there's a drop down that says automatically add invitations, and you turn that off. So invitations will not automatically be added, and you want to select only show invitations that I've responded to. That's the first thing. Now, Google also pulls events directly from Gmail. So if somebody sends you a, a spam Gmail that has an event in it, it's automatically added to your calendar. So you can also turn that off in the same way. And you can simply say toggle off automatic Gmail events and you in the same way. Once you do those two things, boom, you're safe and good to go. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, and 1039 FM HD2. You can watch us do the program by downloading the Periscope app to your device. It's going to look a little, sound a little funny this morning because the doc is uh, broadcasting remotely from uh, Virginia this morning, and he's on the phone. So uh, there have been parts of the show you may not be able to hear if you watch us on Periscope, but you can watch me sitting across my uh, hands in my lap uh, very uh calmly while we're talking here. So it's Saturday morning, and we'll be back with more Tech Talk in just a minute. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment.
In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Virtual Faculty Lounge at Stratford University. This is Tech Talk Radio. And now, once again, here is Dr. Richard Schertz. Doc? Yes. And it's certainly nice talking to you from the Northern Neck Gym. It's uh, very pleasant down here. I'm it watching is. my Wi-Fi calling. I had to... I had to turn my phone to make certain I had a good, strong Wi-Fi signal. Mm-hmm. This Wi-Fi calling is really fantastic. Yeah. And a lot of my neighbors, they, they're, we have bad cellular reception, so they, they, they can't get it, very good cellular reception at all. But with Wi-Fi calling, you don't need good cellular reception. It is a great feature, and you've got to turn it on your cell phone. You have to actually activate it. And it's a free service that's offered by all the carriers, and I really like it. That's very but cool, but you know what? Now it... Yes, I was. I, you were going to do what I was going to ask you to do. Yep. But now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes, we're going to talk today about Narendra Singh Kapani. Narendra I'm very proud of you Kapani for getting that right. You did. Were well, you up all night practicing much. that? I've been practicing, uh, practicing, you know, trying my best to get the pronunciation correct. Narendra Singh Kapani is an Indian-born American physicist known for his work on fiber optics. Now, some people call him the father of fiber optics, but he did not get the Nobel Prize for fiber optics, and many people wonder why. Kapani, Kapani was born October 31, 1926, to a Sikh Malik Oga Punjab. He studied in Agra University. You know what's in Agra, in addition to the university, Jim? The Taj Mahal is in Agra, India. In 1955, he received his Ph.D. in optics from the Imperial College in London in 1955. In, in 1953, while at the Imperial College, Kapani worked with Harold Hopkins, and he achieved great image transmission through a bundle of fiber op, fibers, and he did that for the first time. Optical fibers had been tried to Im- for image transmission before, but, Hopton, but Hopkins and Kapani's technique allowed a much better image quality than previously achieved. This combined with the development of optical cladding by the Dutch scientist Bram van Heel started the new field of fiber optics. In fact, the word fiber optics didn't even exist until 1960, when Kapani coined the term fiber optics, and he published it in an article 
in Scientific American. Now, Scientific American is one of my favorite magazines. I, I love to read I know it because a little they, bit. they – and I'm sorry yeah. I didn't respond to your it question. Is. You managed to ask me a question at the minute I walked away from the mic to do something. So that's where I was. But uh, oh, that's okay. That's, that's okay. Jim. Do I do I get points off for not answering the question against my no, own personal I assessment? I'm watching, I, maybe I should watch Periscope, Jim, so I can keep track of you in the studio. <laughs> how many <laughs> How many devices do you have down there? You might be running out of things. That's a, that, it, it could be a problem. Yeah. I think I couldn't handle that. I'm sorry so, to interrupt. Kapani, Continue on. Point the word. Capani coined the word fiber optics, and he published it in an article in Scientific American, and that was the first time that, the, that those two words had been put together. In 1968, he wrote the first book about the field, Fiber Optic Principles and Applications. Capani's research and inventions encompassed fiber optic communications, lasers, biomechanical instrumentation, solar energy, and pollution monitoring. He's got over 100 patents and is a member of the National Inventors Council. He's also an international fellow of numerous scientific societies, including, including the British Royal Academy of Engineering, the Optical Society of, American, of America, the American Association for the Advancement of Science. He's an entrepreneur and business executive. Capani has specialized in the process of innovation and the management of technology. So he's one of these researchers that actually tries to get it out into industry and get it produced. In 1960, he founded Optics Technology, Inc. There he's chairman of the board and president and director of research for 12 years. In 67, the, pub, the company went public with numerous corporate acquisitions and joint ventures in the U.S. and abroad. In 1973, he founded Captron, Inc., and he served as president and CEO until 1990 when he sold the company to AMP. This also worked on optical devices. For the next nine years, Capani was AMP fellow, heading the Entrepreneur and Technical Expert Program and serving as CTO for the global communications business. This also getting back into fiber optic communication. He founded K2 Optronics and served on the board of numbers of num many, many companies. He Finally, was director of the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurial Development at U.S. University of California's Southern San Diego campus for seven years. He was a visiting professor at Stanford and Stanford in the physics department and also consulted with the electrical engineering department there. After all of that work in fiber optics and fiber optics innovation, in 2009, Charles K. Cow won the Nobel Prize in, 19, uh, in 1966 for his 1966 discovery that led to a breakthrough in fiber optics, transmitting over long distances via glass fiber. Capani was not even mentioned in the patent. So we featured Charles K. Cow as a as profile in IT, IT previously, and he figured out that if you reduce the impurities in the glass, you can get long-distance transmission. So that was the breakthrough that enabled long-distance transmission. But he was building that on top of discoveries that uh, Narendra Singh Kapani had done. So many felt they should have shared the Nobel Prize. And those in India think that, yet again, an Indian was deprived of a Nobel Prize, or at least part of a Nobel Prize. So there you go. Everything you'd ever want to know about Narendra Singh Kapani. Hope you're paying Don't attention. Don't call him the father. 
Yes. Go ahead, continue on. It's a little hard. See, me. it's hard, isn't it, Doc? Because usually we, we're looking at each other and we can play off of each other's, you know, uh, the, the way yes. we look back and forth at each other. But I can't see you this morning and you can't see me. I know. It's I a know. shame. I miss you, Doc. Very good. I really do. Uh, I know. I wish I were there. I, I wish I were there. Now, you know, as soon as you get off the air, you'll be at the beach. So I don't think you're going to miss me at all. Yep. There you go. It's Saturday no, morning. I'll be in the water immediately. There you go. It's Saturday morning. Wait till after the show. I don't want to short out the phone. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, 1039 FM HD2. Stand by. We're going to pay the po- play the pop quiz in just a minute. Be right back. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Ross, Featuring Mr. Big Voice. With musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band. And your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. There you go, Doc. There's your cue. Okay. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Jim, could you get uh, I, You know what? The studio is overcrowded this morning. In your absence, you couldn't fit another person in here. Uh, uh, they're all gonna, sitting down now. You have to manage them. You are cleared right. to go. I bet you have crew. You have you have uh, uh, people sitting out on the beach watching too, like uh, you know, a TV well, I show. Do. I invited the entire cul-de-sac down to watch the show here, so I've got <laughs> probably 50 people here in the house watching the show because this is probably the highlight of Northern Neck going on. Probably is. I hope you have snacks for them. Oh yeah. We okay. Do. We all right. Do. So of what course, are we here to this do? This is not simply a radio. This is not simply a radio show. This is a classroom of the airways, and we're going to have a pop quiz to see whether our class has been listening. And if you get the right answer to the pop quiz, you get tickets to fine dining at Stratford University dining rooms, one of them. And you'll also get an A-plus for today's show. Earlier in the show, I talked about Narendra Singh Kapani. He, of course, is called by some the father of fiber optics, even though he did not get the Nobel Prize for it. 
He coined the word fiber optics and he published it in a particular magazine. What magazine did he publish the word fiber optics in for the first time? If you know the answer to today's question, now's the time to pick up your device and give us a call. If you're dialing from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. If you're calling from east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, why you could just stop by Doc's place and give him a note. Or call us at 877-936-9333. If you're laying fiber optic cable in Canada, call us on the wildcard line. 877-936-9333. And of course, anyone else anywhere else may call us on the ever-undependable international line. 877-936-39333. Now, once again, here's Dr. Richard Schertz. There you go. Yes, and if you'd like to call us using Skype, you can simply connect to Tech Talk Radio 1, and your call will be forwarded to the studio free of charge. It will indeed, and I'm sorry. you. Uh, Mr. Big Voice there was playing the bass instead of talking. He got a little confused at the beginning there, but he's, he's squared okay. away now. Uh, that's good. I'm glad he's on track now. Okay. Now, the EU wants to review the Boeing 747 MAX pair. If you remember, the 740 MAX, 737, Boeing 737 MAX had, uh, had two serious, you know, fatal crashes because the, um, because the uh, automatic software systems weren't working. And when they had added the engines on the Boeing 737 MAX, the engines changed the aerodynamics of the plane. And rather than adjust the airfoils of the plane, Boeing decided it was cheaper just to have a software correction, which meant that the plane, unless you're guiding it by software, doesn't glide stably. And that was probably a fateful decision. But now they've adjusted the software, and they say it's all working correctly. But now the FAA, if they approve it, Europe says they're no longer going to automatically accept FAA decisions because they think FAA dropped the ball and let Boeing do too much of the approval process. So that's going to delay, I think, the um, the fielding of these Boeing 747s, seven, Boeing 737 Maxes. It's it's um, uh, hopefully they're going to get that taken care of quickly. Continue on. We now, are still see. trying to get a winner here. Okay. Deep fake CEO's voice tricks Matt tricks manager to transfer funds. Criminals sought to help the com- the commercial uh, the current. Criminals sought to help commercially available voice-generating AI offering impersonate the boss of a German parent company that owns the UK-based company. They tricked the latter's chief executive urgently into transferring funds that had been urgently requested under the idea that they would be reimbursed immediately. The company CEO, hearing the familiar slight German accent, and voice said to have suspected nothing. But not only not reimbursed, the fraudsters posed as a German C posing as a German CEO again asked for another money transfer. But this time the British CEO refused to do it. Turns out the funds transferred were transferred to Hungary and they were eventually moved to Mexico and other locations. I don't know who was behind it. In this case, 
voice generation software that was available on the Internet was used to successfully imitate the German CEO's voice. This is an AI-based software. Now, to safeguard companies from economic and reputational fallout, it's critical that voice instructions, now that we've got these deep fakes, be verified with follow-up email or other alternatives. i got to stop you for a second. What in the wide world of sports has gone on over there? Your phone is all over the place. What happened? I'm getting, I'm getting the delayed feedback of my own voice. <laughs> okay. So... And so I have to take off the headset. Oh, because you're you're getting distracted because you're hearing yourself in delay. Yes. Got it. I, I don't understand why that's happening. Did it just switch it, over? It didn't start out that way, but now I've got myself in a ten, in the tense in the delay. You have you and we have ourselves in a little pickle here. We just have to continue on, I guess. So what I'm doing, I have to take off the headset. So I can talk. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a fun 32 minutes. Yes, indeed. Continue on, Doc. Sorry. So let's let's talk about why hurricanes spin in different Actually, directions. Before you do that, I didn't realize you were finished. We do have somebody on the phone who would like to play the contest. So oh. we're going to do that right now. Okay, just, very hang good. Hang on one second here. I got to play the fabulous music. And that's going to be right here. Let's see here. Where are you, music? There it is. All right. Let's go to Now, hopefully we will not blow up the phone system by putting two phones on the air at once. Let's try this. Okay. Okay. All right. We've got Ken, who is calling from Laurel, Maryland. Ken, are you there? Yes. Ken, can you hear Doc? Yes. Doc, can you hear Ken? I can hear Ken. <laughs> there we go. Go ahead and ask the question, Doc. Okay. Earlier in the show, I talked about Narin. Narendra many call him the father of fiber optics. He coined the term fiber optics and first published it in what magazine? Scientific American. That would be the correct answer. There we go. Hang on a second, Ken. We're going to put you back on hold and send you back over to uh, Kevin, who will take your information, and uh, we will give you the prize. With. It is Saturday morning. You are listening to Tech Talk Radio on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, and 1039 FM HD2. You can watch us do the program, which is really kind of like watching the Maytag Repairman this morning, by going to your device, downloading the Periscope device, and following us at WFED Tech Talk. I say that because Dr. Schertz is broadcasting remotely and in 10 seconds delayed from the rest of us here in the real world. So he's a little behind the rest of us. I'm in the studio, and this is Tech Talk Radio. We'll be right back, right after this. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford 
Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University. This is indeed Tech Talk Radio, and we are in a little odd configuration this morning. I'm in the studio. The doc is broadcasting remotely from uh, the northern neck of Virginia. Doc, are you still there on the phone? Ships of Sea, are you there? Are you I'm still, still there? here. Okay. Continue on with the program, my friend. So maybe you could tell why I'm in a 10-second delay, because I didn't start out that way. What, do you, what happened, do you think? I don't know. I think when we changed the phones for the, uh, the call-ins, the 10-second delay turned on. Might have been. That's weird. And now, now that we're out of that, I wonder, are you hearing me in real time again, or are you, uh, are you still in delay? Well, I hear myself with a 10-second delay. Okay. All right. Well, that's confusing. Um, continue on as best you so, continue on as best you can. Plod forth, sir. I'm going to try to figure it out best I can. I'm going to walk and out I, of the and studio and just not to listen to myself. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk out of the studio and talk to Kevin and see if we can figure this out. So you you are you are in control okay, of the starship. You. So uh, let's talk about why hurricanes spin in different directions depending on whether you're northern hemisphere or southern hemisphere. And they always spin. And if you're at the hemisphere, they actually, you don't have hurricanes because they can't spin. It's called, the phenomenon that actually causes this spin is called Coriolis effect. And it affects everything in fluids to air currents, anything that travels around the Earth. So it's caused by the fact that the Earth is rotating. And if you're at the equator, you're moving faster than you are if you're moving off of the equator. If you move, say you move up to North America, you're, you're, you're actually rotating at, at a slower velocity because there's less circumference of the circle once you move off the equator. So if air moves north from the equator, it's originally going faster than the Earth, and so it tends to veer to the right. And if it's coming to the south, it tends to veer to the left. So if you have a hurricane which has a low-pressure zone, air tries to rush in to fill the low-pressure zone. So air which is rushes in from the south veers to the right when you're in the northern hemisphere. Air which comes from the north tends to veer the other direction, and that gives you a counterclockwise rotation to the hurricane in the northern hemisphere. Now, if you go to the southern hemisphere, it's exactly the opposite. And you get airflow to the south tends to veer to the right because it's going faster, and it veers to the right, and coming from the north tends to veer to the right because it's going slower, and so you get a clockwise rotation of a hurricane in the southern hemisphere. 
Now, that should actually affect everything. So, for instance, somebody had a question. Should toilet bowls rotate in one direction in the northern hemisphere and the other direction in the southern hemisphere? That's interesting. Well, they they check various toilets, and they, all, they, they tend to always go the same direction. And the reason is you've got the little jets in the toilet bowl that sort of force the direction of the flow. So these two guys, I got the YouTube video, they decided to test this, and they took two pools of water, five feet in diameter. They put one in the northern hemisphere, one in the southern hemisphere. They let them settle down for a couple of days, and they drained them from the bottom, from the middle of the bottom. And sure enough, when it drained in the southern hemisphere, the water flowed clockwise, and in the northern hemisphere, it flowed counterclockwise. So if there are no small effects, like water jets or water movement, you will, in fact, be dominated by that very small Coriolis force, which will force it to go in that direction. So there you go. Everything you'd ever want to know about hurricane spinning. And why the toilet spins the same direction, regardless of which side of the uh, <laughs> equator you're on. I'm glad you solved that. You, that's right. Continue so on, Doc. If you would, yeah, so if you'd want to actually see the toilet bowls spinning in different directions, you have to make certain that the jets are not affecting the spin. Or you could hang it upside down. Or maybe yeah, not. That might be it, too. Now, COBOL turns 60. In the early computing years, the only languages that we had were machine language and assembler language. And those were basic, very basic languages. And really, computer science was a science. I mean, assembler language basically just creates machine language. And these are very low-level languages, and it's very hard to program in this language. So clearly, we needed a language that was that was more English-like. And the language that was first developed in September of 1959 was called the Common Business-Oriented Language, COBOL. Now, credit for coming up with the basic idea goes to Mary Hawes. She was a Burroughs Corporation programmer who saw the need for a computer language. In March 1959, Haas proposed the new, that a new computer language be created. It should have an English-like vocabulary, and it could be used across all computer platforms to perform basic tasks. See, back in that day, every computer had its own dedicated language, so it was, it was unlikely that something written for one computer would run in another computer built by another company. Now, Haas talked. To Hopper, who of course we have, we featured her on uh, you know earlier on uh, and earlier profiles on IT, and ta and Hopper thought it was a great idea to create a vendor-neutral, interoperable computer language. Hopper suggested that they approach Department of Defense for funding, and as a potential customer for the unnamed language. Business experts agreed. And in May of 1959, 41 computer users and manufacturers met at the Pentagon. They drew on an earlier computer business language 
that had been written for Remington Rand's Univax. It was called Univax Flowmatic Machine, and it was largely the work of Grace Hopper. And they drew on her work on the Univax Flowmatic. They also drew on IBM's commercial translator language, and they established the basic parameters for COBOL. That September of 1959, COBOL's basic syntax was nailed down, and COBOL programs were running by the summer of 1960. In December of 1960, COBOL programs proved to be truly interoperable by running on computers from two different vendors. Now, it was still the business language of choice well into the 1980s. In 2016, the GAO reported that the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Veterans Affairs, Social Security Administration, just to name a few, are still using COBOL. COBOL. In fact, if you if you've used the recent uh if you've gotten cash out of an ATM machine recently, you're using COBOL to get out your cash. The largest number of businesses using COBOL are financial institutions. These include banks, insurance companies, wealth management companies, equity trading companies. The second biggest user are government users, federal and local. Now, even though COBOL is near retirement age, this language is far from retiring. So happy birthday, COBOL. COBOL. There you go. Doc, we're going to do this. We're going to take a break, and I would like for you to okay. hang up the phone and call us back uh, quickly so that we can try to maybe, uh, you know, if you call us back, maybe this will reset. So we're going to take you off the air. Call us back. Hopefully he does. Otherwise, it's going to be 20 minutes of fun here on Tech Talk Radio. Heard <laughs> every Saturday on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, and 1039 FM HD2. You can watch us do the fun by downloading the Periscope device to your app and following us at WFED Tech Talk. And you can listen to all of our previous shows online. You can find them at either Apple iTunes or Podcast One. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. 
If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University. This is Tech Talk Radio. And joining us again live via remote, here is Dr. Richard Schertz. Doc? Well, it's certainly glad to be back. And I don't have a 10-second delay. Oh, my gosh. The next 17 minutes will be pain-free. I can actually relax now. Oh, good. Pour yourself yourself a glass of wine. Or maybe not. Uh, I'll do that. A little too, no, a little too early for wine, but uh, a <laughs> cup of coffee would be good. Martini. Okay, so when is the best time to sell your iPhone? This is really kind of an issue because the iPhone prices or any cell phone prices vary depending on what's being, what's you know when the new models are coming out. So the list price of old cell phones, including um, uh, iPhone XX, iPhone XX, are expected to peak shortly before the release of the next iPhone, which would either be iPhone 11 or iPhone XI, depending on what Apple's going to name it. Used iPhones usually lose value as soon as they're sold, and then their value begins to bump up in price, and it peaks out just before the next iPhone is released. Now, according to research by Compare and Recycle, the largest drops happen in new models that are released or just before the release, and they dip through the summer and they rise again, and they normally peak around August. So this is be the time to do it. iPhone Plus and iPhone Max hold their values much better than basic models, and devices hold their value best during the second year after release because you know they they for for the first two years after release, and then in the third year they begin dropping fast because people view them as being out of date. Now, if you prefer to just use your device for one year, or it may be that you uh, that you'd want to get, or if you want to use it for long term, get get lots of storage because a device with more storage has a better resale value if you keep it for a few years. So it's a little bit of advice on on when to sell the iPhone. I'm I'm still on my iPhone 6s. That makes two of us, and that's going to. It doesn't shock me with me because that's who I am. I'm never up to date with anything. But you, Mr. Technology, still on a 6S. What is going on there? Well, I, I didn't like the I didn't like the iPhone 10 actually, but I I do have to get a better iPhone. And you know, the only reason I upgrade my iPhone is to get a better camera. And they had a significant upgrade in camera between the six and the seven. So if I've got, I have friends that wanted to get an iPhone, and um, I recommended that they just get a 7 because you, you had the big upgrade in the camera, and it's substantially cheaper than, than, getting, the, than getting the latest iPhone. This is what's happening with, uh, with Apple and the iPhones, even all the smartphones. People are keeping their smartphone longer because there's not a reason to upgrade every yeah, year, every year, every I agree. year, because, because, the, because there's just not that much not that much improvement overall. Now, let's talk a little bit about robocalls. You know, robocalls have been hitting cell phones recently. It used to be you get them on your landlines, but now people actually are getting them on their cell phones. In 2019, scam callers made up 44% of all mobile phone calls. And that's up from 29% in 2018 and 3.7% in 2017. So you can see it's just gone up dramatically. 
Last year, we saw 85 billion spam calls across the globe. Now, the type of calls vary. Some are phishing for a bank or credit card information by impersonating your bank, your phone company, or the IRS. Others simply want to scare you into calling them back so they can hit you with a bill for their pay-per-minute number. Now, billions of calls would not be possible without robo-calling technology, which lets scammers call hundreds of potential victims simultaneously. Bank holding company Capital One was the worst offender. Capital One is the worst offender for robocalls. They made over 23 million robocalls nationally, more than double the number of calls attributed to the runner-up, which was Comcast. So these are, these are sales calls, obviously. Now, the U.S. government has not been much help. You can sign up for the National Do Not, Do not Call Registry, but the government only investigates a fraction of those infractions, so the, the spammers just ignore it. Robocalls are the Federal Communications Commission's top consumer complaint. And, uh, and there are more than 200,000 complaints lodged annually with the FCC. What's the FCC's advice? Don't answer. If it's an unknown number, don't answer it. And if you answer such a call, hang up immediately. Now, that doesn't really help you very much with all these calls. Now, there, now that's what I do. If, I mean, actually, that's exactly how I do it. If, if I don't recognize the phone number and it's not one of my contacts, I don't answer it. And then if it's a legitimate call, they'll leave a message, and I can listen to the message, and I can call them back. And that has worked for me pretty well. There are really only two ways to block them. You can blacklist them or you can whitelist them. Now the problem with blacklisting, where you basically block certain phone numbers, is that the spammers can spoof phone numbers. So they're always changing their phone numbers, they're spoofing the phone number, and so the blacklisting doesn't work. Now, you can whitelist, which actually works really well, and what that means is you only accept numbers that are, that, that, that are in your contacts list, and anybody else doesn't get through. So whitelisting is the only way to solve the robocall problem. So how do you whitelist? It turns out that both the Android phone and the iPhone have something called Do Not Disturb. So you can bring up the Do Not Disturb feature, and you can say, only allow rings from my contacts. And if they're not on my contact list, send it to voicemail. And so that whitelisting will, in fact, work. But that means that if somebody calls you like the dentist, their, number, their phone call is going to go straight to uh, voicemail, and you're, you're not going to know they called you or somebody from the school. So you'll miss certain calls, but that will, in fact, solve your robocall problem. Do you have, you have much problem with robocalls, Jim? Uh, I don't know because I don't answer the phone. If I if I get a phone call from a number that I don't know, I don't answer it. And I, so I do get a fair amount of like 800 style numbers, and I'm assuming it's a robocall. So I just don't I don't even bother. I mean, I, that's the best thing yeah, to do, that, isn't it? That that is the best thing to do. Now, what I have on my uh, landline, I've, since I have Uma, they have this dynamically updated blacklist, and since I've since I've implemented the blacklist on my landline at home, I get, all, I get I got almost no phone calls. So the blacklist 
really works well on the landline. But you see, all of the spammers have gone to mobile phones because they know that everybody's on a mobile phone. Exactly, so right. Not, so I don't get I don't get many calls to my landline. I, I get very few uh, spam calls to my landline now. So it's it's not bad. Actually, it's really not a landline. It's a voice over IP landline, but it's my old landline number. Right. You know, Apple has come out with their own credit card. Have you heard about that? Jim? I have. Yes. And this sounds. I've been waiting for you to get to this. Go ahead. It it's like a mobile. First card, where it's really mobile phone card. So the credit card actually doesn't have a number printed on it. It just has your name, <laughs> you know. And so there's no number on it. There's no name on it. There's there's no there's nothing. I, there's no credit card number anywhere. Not there's no magnetic number. Nothing. It was really designed to be mobile first. So if you want to look up your credit card number, you've got to go into the Apple Wallet. And your credit card number is there in the Apple Wallet. So if you if you get the Apple credit card and you want to buy something online, you're going to have to go to the Apple Wallet to get your credit card number. You can't read it off the card. But they wanted to have people feel like they had a real credit card. So Apple sends out a card to everybody, and they wanted to make it really elegant looking. It's a titanium card. And it was designed to just look beautiful. Of course, you really can't use it as a credit card because there's no number on it and right. there's no, nothing magnetic on it. But you, you, you show people I got this magnetic credit card, which is titanium. But it turned out that this titanium card scratches. And so they give you a warning. Carry it safely. You have to put it inside of a scratch-resistant little envelope because if you carry it with other credit cards, it will get scratched and look very ugly. So everybody's making fun of the Apple titanium card because it is, gets scratched. It's not really made to be used. It's just made to be admired, maybe put in a frame. That's, now, the it's, Apple card that's ridiculous, isn't it? Gold. It is absolutely ridiculous. But it was, you know, you really don't even need the credit card. Now, here's the advantage. I mean, that's my so, point. I mean, it, uh, I mean, pe people will wait in line for days for a phone, and now they've got a credit card that's not a credit card because it's, it's a status symbol, right? Well, you have an Apple credit card. But here's an advantage. Suppose that somebody gets your credit card number and they start making bogus bogus uh, purchases. You have to go to the credit card company and you have to cancel your credit card number, okay? And then you can't use your credit card until you get a new credit card. And, and so you might have no credit card for a week or two. That's, that's not good. But since there is absolutely – no number on your credit card, you can go online, request a new credit card number, and you get it instantly. You don't, they don't have to send you a new credit card. So there is an advantage that you can change your credit card number in five minutes. So that is the only advantage that I see to it. I, so, I certainly don't see any other advantage uh, to, this whole, uh, to this whole deal. Now, Amazon is planning an orbital Internet. This is actually an interesting project. They're going to launch 3,200 satellites, approximately, 3,236, to create a new satellite-based Internet service worldwide. And the FCC has now approved that plan. It's known as Project Kuiper. Now, Kuiper is that region in the solar system that exists beyond the eight major planets. You know, it's where they've got all these space rocks out there the Kuiper region, and it's designed, this Internet is designed to 
provide internet to the unserved and underserved communities of the internet. Now here's the problem. Space is crowded. There are already 2,000 satellites circling the Earth. Some satellites in low orbit are traveling at more than 17,000 miles per hour, the low Earth orbit ones. Now NASA is worried about the number of satellites and the amount of junk in space. Saying there are more than 20,000 pieces of space debris larger than a softball in orbit, and 500,000 larger than the size of Marlboro. Uh, Marlboro. Not a Marlboro. Marble. <laughs> you sure you haven't been hitting the wine this morning? No. Okay. Only. Okay. Only had one Bloody Mary. Okay. No wine. All right. It's too early for wine, Jim. It's time is time is winding now, up here. Continue on. <laughs> yeah. And so the. Already last week, uh, there was a report that one of Amazon's satellites almost hit one of the uh, one of the weather satellites. So it is actually a problem. So this is going to be an interesting thing. Uh, this you know because also in addition you know a number of people are putting up SpaceX is oh no it was one of the SpaceX satellites. Sorry, one of the SpaceX satellites because they're also putting up a, a satellite internet. One of the SpaceX satellites almost hit a weather satellite. And now Amazon's going to put up 3,000 more. This is going to be, I think, a huge problem, and I think it's going to have to be regulated a little bit more. There are also People are also worried about antitrust concerns because if, um, suppose uh, Amazon, you know, controls Internet to a whole country, and then the country wants to, say, tax Amazon, Amazon can say, look, you know, you tax us, we're going to cut off Internet to your country. And so it gives them there's a, con- a concern that they'll have too much control over over countries if if they're if they're the sole provider of the internet to that uh, to that country. Amazon's Ring doorbell is attracting congressional concern. Remember, I talked about where Amazon is partnering with police a police uh, police departments to you know, and so that police departments can use Ring doorbells to gather video data out in the community. And You've got 30 seconds, Doc. Crime-focused activity. Okay. And now Congress is worried that this is an encroachment of uh, privacy, and it could be a real problem. Listen, the time went so fast. We love your email. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. We also want you to go to the Stratford University website, www.stratford.edu. Check out all of our programs at computer science, computer programming, business, accounting, healthcare, nursing, culinary, hospitality, and let them know that you heard about those programs on Tech Talk Radio. If you tuned in later, we'd like to hear the program again in its entirety. Tech Talk Radio rebroadcast today at 2 here on Federal News Radio. See you next week. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.